Welcome to the Kaleidoscope with Allison Keys. This is a podcast from CBS News, and I am your host. This show is a breakout from the CBS News Weekend Roundup, and every week we discuss issues including race and gender. There are disturbing reports of desperate families in Afghanistan being forced to sell their daughters or body parts to buy food in the wake of the chaotic Taliban takeover and U.S. withdrawal. A United Nations report finds that more than half of the population is facing acute food insecurity. I asked Deputy Executive Director Kevin Schumacher at Women for Afghan Women what the nonprofit is hearing from people on the ground in Afghanistan. That conversation after this short break. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Unfortunately, the stories that I'm hearing from my colleagues and our staff on the ground indicates that uh, cases of individuals having to um, offer their kids or even volunteering to sell their body parts such as kidney in order to make money for their family is on the rise in Afghanistan. Part of it is because of the fact that the banking system in Afghanistan is unfortunately almost non-existent right now. If you live in Afghanistan, no matter how much money you have in the bank, you can only access up to $200 a week um, from your bank account. And that is if you are willing to stay in line for six, seven, 10 hours. And if you are a woman, a single mom, um, it is very unsafe for you to go out and stay in, long, in, in line in order to get the money. So a lot of people who have money in the bank are having difficulty accessing their cash. Other people have lost their jobs. As you know, after the withdrawal of U.S. and NATO forces from Afghanistan, a lot of Western um, NGOs and organizations have left. So a lot of individuals have no longer jobs, and that has given rise to unemployment, massive unemployment in a country that basically has been very poor to begin with. Also, another factor that is very important to keep in mind is that right now the Taliban administration in Kabul is not cooperating with many NGOs. The restrictions that they have imposed on many NGOs, including our organization, confiscating offices, preventing women from going to work, does not allow many organizations to provide essential services to very vulnerable segments of the population. These are all factors that have contributed, unfortunately, to the rise of massive poverty in Afghanistan and has resulted in individuals being so destitute that are willing to sell their children or their body parts in order to survive. 
And some of these are, are little girls who, who are as young as nine? Unfortunately, and younger. I mean, part of the issue goes back to the history of um, basically the tradition of selling um, female members of the body, um, family in order to uh, make money. And this has been going on for a long time. The former government in Afghanistan had laws in place that made this illegal and there were very strict enforcement of the regulations. So families really had to think twice in order to sell the female, the young female members of their family in exchange for money or food. Right now, those laws no longer exist. And as I said, the, the poverty is on the line. So a combination of no, no laws preventing these practices and having no money uh, basically encourages individuals to do so. And you said part of the problem is that the uh, the organiz- the nonprofits that would normally be providing some existence aren't able to work the Taliban. The, Tal- the Taliban is refusing to allow them to give people money or food or anything like that? So the Taliban is extremely disorganized and they do not have any clear guidance uh, in terms of who is running the country. Um, Individual militia members with a gun decide the faith of a city or institution. Um, This has happened to our organization in multiple locations. They raided our offices. They confiscated our property, including our cars. They ran away. They assaulted our staff. They verbally threatened us. So these, this seems to be a pattern in the country. The Taliban's unwillingness to rule and inability to decide how the regulation should be enforced. Also, they, as I said, have prevented women from going back to war. So a lot of our staff who were providing essential services such as medical care, psychological care, um, even food, you know, assistance to families. These are female employees. And with the government's regulation, the Taliban administration's regulations banning women from going to work, it is impossible for many international organizations to function during these very difficult times. So you have a combination of the West abandoning the country and the U.S. government freezing the assets of Afghanistan, which basically has caused uh, financial paralysis in the country, along with the unwillingness of the Taliban administration to provide services to the people, which has resulted in this massive disaster. Is there anything right now, today, that can be done to help mitigate any of this? We have tried to have endless rounds of negotiations with the Taliban in order to uh, resume our activities in the country. Unfortunately, the Taliban leadership does not seem to be willing at this point to uh, provide access for our organization and many other organizations to intended beneficiaries. This is something that we keep pushing for. I don't know when and where this issue is going to be resolved. And my understanding is with the winter coming in Afghanistan, the situation is only going to get worse. 
We are also talking to the U.S. government. It is imperative that the U.S. government provide some sort of financial relief to the starving banking system in Afghanistan. The banking system is choking right now. There is not enough money circulating in the banking system. And that's one of the reasons why many businesses stop providing services. And I understand that the U.S. government is worried about the Taliban and the terrorist organizations having access to the financial resources of Afghanistan. But the problem is we have to think whether we want to be part of this what I believe is a genocide in progress or not. And I think that there is no person with clear conscience can tell us that we need to let people die from starvation in order to block access to terrorists who might otherwise use these financial resources. This is an ongoing conversation that we have with the U.S. government. And I hope that Washington sooner or later decides to unfreeze some of these assets so that the Afghan people, the people who are really suffering day in and day out, can benefit from these resources. Kevin, let me ask you a different question, and I'm not sure if you know the answer to this. What have you been hearing about some of the Afghans that have come to the U.S.? Are they getting help here? Are they having places to live? Or are they running into terrible conditions? So um, to the best of my knowledge, the majority of people who were evacuated back in August, they are still being processed in military bases. Um, They are telling us that in the next few days or weeks, they may let uh, some of these individuals and families to move into the um, society. There is a coalition of organizations, including Women for African Women. And we are working with volunteers, with funders, with a team of experts in order to provide services to these individuals, the new immigrants, when they are allowed to leave the military bases. But right now, everybody is basically is on a standby mode because these families are still being processed. I believe the biggest challenge is right now to verify the security clearance to make sure that these individuals can safely join the society. So when that step is completed, we are ready and willing to step in and help these families. Do you think that the U.S. basically just made a mess of all of this? I mean, both in Afghanistan and for people that have come to this nation. I think the way that the the departure from Afghanistan was conducted was totally irresponsible. We left hundreds of thousands of people behind. I received almost 100 emails every day. People, our own staff, our beneficiaries judges, lawyers, people who work for the U.S. government who were abandoned, abandoned. And I I cannot describe the horror of a victim of rape being left to the Taliban and the U.S. government telling them there is nothing they can do. This was a tragic and unspeakable act of 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 abandonment by the U.S. government. I feel that U.S. could have planned this better and we could have done this in a way that was more responsible to take 
the more vulnerable people, members of the LGBT community, at-risk women, people who work with us, including many of the people who supported our soldiers for two decades. They are all left in Afghanistan. I have no idea who made that decision to let go of hundreds of thousands of people whose life is at risk. These people have no means to support themselves. They have no way to get out of Afghanistan. And even if they find a way out of that country, the U.S. still is not processing their cases. As I understand, there are over 200,000 people registered for the uh, refugee resettlement program into United States. These people are still waiting. And what I'm hearing is that it may take years, six, seven, 10 years, who knows, till these people are fully resettled in the United States. How these people are going to live, where they can get their next meal, These are very deep questions that I think nobody was willing to answer. And every time we go to the U.S. government, they show us a bunch of papers that, oh, we are working on it. Well, if your life is at risk, if you are a judge who were prosecuting people for crimes against women, and now all those former inmates are out on the street and threatening you and your family, how are you going to support yourself? The U.S. government doesn't have answer to any of that. What we have created was a disgrace, a disgrace. People know that if you have helped and supported U.S. government in any capacity for the past two decades, you are vulnerable and you have nowhere to go and the U.S. government is not willing to help you. What kind of message does this send to other friends and allies in other countries. I think by leaving Afghanistan the way that we did, we have discredited our own reputation, our own, we undermined our own national interest, not only in Afghanistan, but in the region. And I really, really hope somebody in Washington shows some leadership. That has not happened yet. That was Deputy Executive Director Kevin Schumacher at the nonprofit Women for Afghan Women. One note, all 24 female senators sent a bipartisan letter to President Biden late last week calling on him to protect the rights of Afghan women and girls following the U.S. withdrawal. They wrote, Afghan women and girls need our action now. Thanks so much for joining us. Also, thanks to Ashley Armstrong for her production assistance. Like what you hear? Come on back for more. There will be new episodes of Kaleidoscope with Allison Keys every Tuesday. Follow the show wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Allison Keys, CBS News. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary and it's not boring. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. I'm going to be your financial coach, someone who brings common sense and an insider's perspective on how to manage your money 
and your emotions. And I promise we are going to have a little bit of fun along the way. Have a question from retirement to career changes to college funding? Just send us an email at askjill at jillonmoney.com. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app.